Screaming. Do you hear screaming? I hear Don? screaming. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we should run and help. <laughs> run away. They've come to kill us. It's an angry mob on the other side of the glass. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Atheist Experience. We are live. Today is Sunday, August 25th. Yeah, 26th. That's right there at the bottom of the screen. Hey, look. And uh, I'm your host, Matt Delaney. Joining me this week, Don Baker. Good to be here. Which means, as those of you who've been following along, we are going to be on failure what? Yeah. Uh, 59. 59. <laughs> now, I know we've said this before. Is there a limit? No, there's no limit. That's what I thought. There's no limit to the <laughs> amount of failures Don can find. Uh, a couple of quick announcements to get out of the way first, and then we'll let Don uh, inform us and educate. Edutain us. Edumacate us. Edumacate. Edutain us. Yes. Bat Cruise is coming up September 22nd. For those who aren't familiar, Austin has the world's, or at least North America's largest metropolitan bat population with over a million bats living underneath the Congress Street Bridge. And they are in town, uh, which means they fly out at night to eat all the bugs so that you won't get eaten by mosquitoes while you visit the weirdest, most wonderful town that you're likely to come to. So by all means, you're welcome to come down. But I have to tell you, the actual bat cruise itself is now sold out. Uh, we gave loads and loads of warnings, and uh, who knows? It Maybe next year we'll get two boats or a fleet of boats, or we'll just take over the whole damn town as if it's south by bat cruise, whatever. But uh, here's what's going on. It's a whole weekend of stuff. So even if you don't have your tickets for the actual backers, you can still come down and find lots of enjoyable things to do. Uh, Saturday morning, I'm going to say 10 o'clock, but it might be sometime slightly after. I'm going to be doing uh, a, a slightly modified version of the Magic and Skepticism show that I recently toured Canada and the U.S. with. Um, it's a magic show in the morning to teach you about skepticism. And to have a bit of fun. Uh, so you're welcome to come out to that. Later on um, in the afternoon, we will have our guest speaker, Mandisa Latifa Thomas, the founder of Black Nonbelievers, uh, down. She'll be giving uh, a lecture. There'll be a break in between that and the back cruise itself. Uh, and even though this isn't an official thing, there are many of us who go to Esther's Follies 10 o'clock show every year after the bat cruise. So you can keep that in mind. Even if you didn't get tickets for the actual cruise, you can still come to the other events. And you can hang out. I think Eric's going to take some of the people uh, who couldn't get tickets for the boat out to do other things around Austin for a little while. There are some Sunday events as well, right? Yes. That's next on the list. Oh, okay. Because it's a whole weekend. And so after we finish all our Saturday debauchery, uh, we will then have a Sunday. But the Sunday is going to be uh, not only an episode of Talk Ethan, an episode of The Atheist Experience featuring Mandisa, uh, but... After the Atheist Experience is over, we'll be debuting our new show, Secular Sexuality. Okay. Sex After Dark on Sunday. <laughs> and it, it, will, it will show for two Sundays in a row, and then it will move to its regular time slot, which will be 7 p.m. on Thursday. That's uh, Central Time. And by the way, the pasta bar that was supposed to happen today got delayed. Um, I was confused and disappointed, um, but... I will evidently be there dressed like a pirate, 
um, helping out. And that's going to happen the Bat Cruise Sunday. Ah. So it's like from pretty much early in the morning till late at night on <laughs> Saturday and on Sunday. If you get her early, you can hang out. Uh, basically, 6th Street in Austin is there's a bar or two there. Um, and then right after those two bars, there's 75,000 more bars. <laughs> and as the live music capital of the world, there's plenty of stuff to do. Uh, we're looking forward to it. Backers is always a, a great weekend. And, you know, I think in the – I don't know how many years we've done this now, but I think it's only rained once. We've generally – it generally worked out pretty well. We've had a couple couple years without bats. <laughs> yeah. Oops. <laughs> and and sometimes it's occasionally hard to see. But uh, yeah. we Backers is is the premier event for the atheist community of Austin every single year. Um, I go every time except for one year when I was out of town. Uh, but we we couldn't be more excited by both the response, the fact that the, the Bat Cruise itself is already sold out, and what we've been hearing and seeing from people getting active in this community. I'm not kidding. There's a mass of people on the other side of the glass over there that were cheering a moment ago. Uh, <laughs> it's like, it's like, hello, Cleveland. They need Cleveland. help again. <laughs> yeah, I just show up, hello, Cleveland, and I get, you know. But uh, there's a bunch of other stuff that's going on, too, and the Atheist Community of Austin is now producing – I think the current count is nine shows, but stay tuned because there there are more shows and more content to come. There are there are things for people to do. If you're living in the Austin area and you've never been down, 1507 West Koenig Lane is the Free Thought Library, which is now open seven days a week from 10 in the morning till 8 o'clock at night. There's always going to be somebody here to answer questions. It's a legitimate library. It's loaded with books back there that you can check out or find a comfy couch to sit here and read. Uh, you can show up at the shows and scream as, as those people did, but don't do it now because that'll just take more time and uh i am there's a lot of changes going on it, things are did you think we would be doing this this much stuff i'm, I'm just amazed because you've every done time, this longer than i have every time i come i'm amazed <laughs> i mean i talk about you know and this is the thing this isn't my show yeah i get to go run around and give lectures and debates and people are like oh i love your show and i always remind them i didn't start this uh there are several people on the show now who've done this longer than i have you've done it longer than i have just a little bit a yeah. little bit um but, you know, we've done this show at the Public Access Studio. We've done this show guerrilla style from my apartment. Your couch. <laughs> from, from my couch with a homemade video switcher board. Right. Um, and whatever internet we had available there. And gerbils running in the treadmills. And yes. <laughs> and it's about seven years ago or so that we bought this building and turned it into a studio. And... Then people started getting more and more involved. Um, I was talking to somebody earlier, you know, while I built up the original computers and setup that we used here, uh, it wasn't long before people who actually know what the hell they're doing showed up to vastly improve everything. Right. <laughs> the audio quality is improved. The video quality is improved. Because of the people on the other side of that wall right now, whose names you'll see at the end of it, uh, who I will thank forever. So that's that's all of the announcements I have. Welcome Don is now going to let us know what the latest failure is the latest failure on his is, list. Well, today I'm going to talk about uh, crisis pregnancy centers, especially in Texas. There was a really good article that just laid out a lot of a lot of good stuff, and and all my material today comes from there. It was called uh, "Money for Nothing." It was in the July 20th, 2018 Austin Chronicle, and if you, and it's on, available online, and I will put it on our blog uh, this afternoon or this evening. 
Uh, if you search for Money for Nothing and Austin Chronicle, you'll find it pretty quick. So it's an expose on what actually goes on in the crisis pregnancy centers here in Texas and why they don't deserve public support. A crisis pregnancy center is kind of a honeypot. It kind of lures in women who are vulnerable and are concerned about whether they can keep their pregnancy or not with comfort and with care and an ear to listen. And they often look like family planning clinics. They have that sort of uh, vibe about them. And then many of them have choice in their names. Uh, they do everything, whether ethical or not, to convince women to keep their pregnancies. And they use care tactics and false medical claims and all sorts of other manipulation, which I'll get into. They do not provide medical services. And they many of them don't even have medical licenses. Or do, or do they provide any other real services? But they do create delays and confusion and misinformation among the people that uh, that happen to be in there. And here's a quote by Abby Johnson that I think says a lot. Abby Johnson is uh, one of the anti-choice, anti-choice poster children. She says, we want to appear neutral on the outside. The best call, the best client you can ever get is the one that thinks they're walking into an abortion clinic, Okay. Those are the best clients that could ever walk into your door or call your center, the ones that think you provide abortions. So apparently they they have a pretty good shtick to, to uh, manipulate those folks. They uh, will tout things like the post-abortion stress syndrome, which is not a thing and not, a, and not anything that, uh, it, that even really exists. They inflate complication rates. They don't discuss the risk, the actual risks of childbirth, which are significant. Uh, they provide negative and false information about contraceptives. And sadly, the crisis pregnancy, crisis pregnancy centers have secured Supreme Court rights to lie as a First Amendment right. Uh, so they actually have Supreme Court, they actually have constitutional uh, privilege to, to, to do these lies as part of their, their shtick and their, their, um, their, their mode of operation. Now, they don't have to, uh, you know, Texas doesn't have to support them, but uh, they do have to allow them to lie if they're going to. On the f manipulation front, they won't tell you uh, – Let's see. There's another quote here. They won't tell you that whatever, when, whenever they do these things, but it's a very big risk, you will, you, you will never be able to conceive children. There's about 90% chance that you'll be able to never to have children down the road. And this is false. So these are some of the more of the lies they say. They tend to slut shame victims of rape that come, come in their door. They kind of tell them that, hey, you're, you're, it's your fault you got raped. Um, one of the more deceptive things they do is they provide sonograms. But they, they are non-medical and they're given by unqualified technicians. Uh, and the goal here is to show the fetus to the woman to manipulate her into keeping the, the, the child that the people that are doing this are not trained. And so if there were a serious birth defect, they would go undiagnosed. And furthermore, the sonogram doesn't count for what the one mandated by the state before they have an, uh, a woman has an abortion. So it's 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 completely a sideshow and a circus for the for the intent of manipulating these women. There are First Amendment problems here too. Nearly all of the CPCs are religious based. They proselytize and preach as part of their services, which is fine if they're if that's private money. But 
But in Texas, they receive significant state funding without oversight or conditions on this. And so this is a clearly an entanglement of church and state. And it's, it's, it's Christians all the way down. The Christians are voting for the legislatures, legislators who are putting these people in. They, these are, they're, they're doing that as a sop to their base. Um, and it's just Christianity all the way through. There's a lot of funding shenanigans. So the funding has recently been diverted from the temporary assistance for needy families and, and diverted to, to these crisis pregnancy centers or alternatives to abortion is the umbrella term there. Uh, sadly, also, uh, Texas has raided the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality, which controls our, our air pollution and has been making some inroads there, and, and they've been defunding that to, to send money over to the Alternatives to Abortion program to the tune of around $36 million for the 2000 and two, 2016 and 2017 biennium. Texas laws have put a lot of restrictions on actual family planning clinics, and uh, there are only 21 of the real clinics that provide contraceptive and, and actual health care and actually have doctors there and actually pre prevent a lot of abortions. Um, but yet there are 170 of these fake clinics, clinics with lots of state money flowing to them. And meanwhile, the Texas family planning budget has been slashed by two-thirds, uh, 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 been cut by $74 million uh, based on ideology. And the legislators are happy to fund this as a sop to their Christian constituents, even though there's little oversight, little transparency, or any measurable benefit from this program. So where does the money go? It goes to anti-choice persuasion. So money, much, most of the money goes to, uh, to uh, counselors who will, you know, uh, brainwash uh, women who are coming into these programs. Another big chunk goes to overhead. Uh, the Texas Pregnancy Care Network, uh, the head of that group makes uh, $325,000. Holy so, crap. <laughs> so we're in the wrong business here. <laughs> Uh, in one example, $18,000 was spent on counseling while less than $1,000 was spent on food, food and clothing combined. And there are other cases where some, the other ratios are smaller. The Round Rock-based Christian Heidi Group got uh, $1.5 million in funding, but $4.4 million of it was yanked back due to gross mismanagement. Wait, $4 million of $1.5 I'm sorry, $5.1 million. Okay. Yeah, so – so at least there was some reprieve there that of uh, you know some some oversight. Uh, it was actually a, a, a different group that uh, caught them, and there's some potential for um, title title X funding or title ten funding for CPCs under the Trump administration. Uh, the Trump appointee Diane Foley, uh, formerly of the Life Network, likened abortion to the Holocaust, and so there is a, a national movement that's that's pushing this as well. And I encourage folks that are in other states and other countries to uh, examine what's going on in their area and whether, whether it's as bad as Texas. Kathy Miller of the Texas Freedom Network says millions of dollars that could go into helping women who need health care will instead go to demonstrably unqualified anti-abortion group pushing a political agenda. And that, that, sits, that describes it pretty well. Once you're, once these women who get 
snarled up in this, bear the children. There are few resources from any source to help them. CPCs are not there to provide that help. Uh, But Texas leads the nation in maternal deaths, and and there's not much being done about that. Uh, So... They're being, we're being unsupportive of the mothers they've tricked into having children, and it seems like nothing more than a type of cruel punishment for not being part of the, the Christian, you know, uh, mother, mother and father and, and, and the Christian mindset. And Christian organizations seem to only become interested in the child again when it reaches the age where it can be indoctrinated. So... When Christians are able to work the levers of government, as they are here in Texas, they create what, what is really a Christian breeding program. They lie and manipulate vulnerable women. They break the law. They perpetuate fraud. They siphon money out of, progr- out of programs that actually help people and give it to their friends. Meanwhile, these Christians have no plans to fund the babies that they are working to manufacture. And it's kind of a pro-life until birth. Then screw you. Um, so remember that religions control rep- reproduction because there is no God that can make tithers. And without those tithers, these religions would die on the vine. And human life is only sacred, it seems, and to, it, to the extent that the human will tithe down the road. And I consider this another failure of Christianity. I have a question for you, though. Uh, how long ago did you pick this particular topic as your next one? Oh, about three weeks ago. Oh. Because we got an email six days ago. Yeah. Yeah. So on last week's show, if you were paying attention, um, there were a couple calls that were about abortion. And mm-hmm. you know, Tracy and, and I think John was on um, kind of addressed that. And we got an email. Okay. Um, that I responded to. <clears throat> you want to? <clears throat> okay. Hi. So here's the email. I like the show, but please stop wasting everyone's time with off-topic arguments. Most of us don't listen to hear LGBTQ issues. The bizarre position in defense of abortion held by the host would have, would have me believe you're good with killing a baby the day before it's born, even if totally viable. Really? Most humans on earth aren't good with that. It has nothing to do with religion, and frankly, you're hurting the cause of normalizing atheism. I won't read you my response. <clears throat> Most of you can guess. Watch some other fucking show. (laughs) Because the fact that most people aren't good with it is entirely the point. Most people happen to be religious. Most of the people who are single-issue voters on whether or not a woman should have a right to choose what to do with her body. Oh, wait, it's not just her body. Shut up. Most of those people are doing it on behalf of religion. Most of the issues related to LGBTQ rights and fairness and equality are are there because of religion. It absolutely makes sense. Plus, it's a caller-driven show. And yes, Don brought this topic in, but the callers called in to talk about this because it's an issue that people struggle with, including people who are newly out of religion and yet struggling to deal with moral quandaries. And nobody is saying that any of this is easy for everybody to understand. I don't have a problem with a center that helps people not have abortions if that's what they want. That's not what's actually happening. What they're happening, what's happening is that they are trying to make this the de facto only choice. And if it's the only choice, then you don't have choice. And they're making trap laws that render abortions effectively illegal even when they can't. And at the end of the day, 
the atheist community of Austin, if you go to the website, has a list of position statements, and one of them relates to this topic because some of us were aware that despite our email friend's assertion, this stuff does have something to do with religion. And no, I'm not necessarily saying that I'm fine with killing a baby up to the day it crawls out, but thanks for your ridiculous hyperbole. And since you don't give a shit about LGBTQ issues and you don't want to hear about abortion and you think we're all religious, go watch some other show because the last thing I want is for someone to say, hey, I'm a huge fan of the atheist experience, and then run around acting like an irrational buffoon who thinks that saying most people are opposed to this is a good way to argue. That was kind of what I said. But okay. <laughs> it's, it's just one of those things. Well, we're, we're against false information. We're against uh, fraud. We're against uh, you know having our, our clean air taken away from us to fund you know this crazy religious thing. There's, it's about there's, there's it's lots about, lots of things wrong with this. It's about individual autonomy. It's about choice. It is about proper scientific information because most of these centers, as you were pointing out, will flat out lie about risks and medical stuff. They're not educated on this. It is the same level of propaganda as creationists are trying to do when they talk about things like carbon dating, which, by the way, I'll be recording a video on Tuesday for my Patreon thing uh, that I'm going to call carbon dating and then point out why I couldn't call it radiometric dating. Uh, spoiler alert, because most of the people who are arguing against radiometric dating don't even know what radiometric dating is. All they've ever heard about is carbon dating. And and all they've been fed is misinformation about it. But that'll all be in Tuesday's video. There's a reason that we do this show. There's a reason why we don't just talk to theists. We take calls from atheists, agnostics, free thinkers, people who are searching and struggling, because that's in conversation that is actually important. And if you disagree with the hosts on a particular political issue, great. That's your prerogative. And you're welcome to call in and make your argument. But if your argument is as bad as most people are opposed to it, I'm going to hang up on you promise so with that let's take calls there's one other announcement that i oh. forgot amongst all the other announcements and that is that we the atheist community of austin is now producing a newsletter again which i'm told is available to everyone on all of our social media platforms and at reddit.com slash r slash the atheist experience so you can go over there i know they probably are going to message me in a minute to say oh by the way there's a discord server now too but they can probably just put something up at the bottom of the screen that can direct you to Discord. I'd be shocked we, we'd if We'd spend it's the whole day there. talking about the different uh, other events and things going on. Yeah. Right? And I think we want to I think we want to talk to the people who've been patiently waiting That's to call right. in and talk. We should do that. So, without further ado, here's David in Oklahoma. Thanks for waiting and welcome to the show. <laughs> David? Uh, yes. This, there there this you are. David. How you doing? You're yeah. on, you're on with Matt and Don. I'm good. Yeah, how's how's it going, guys? Just Pre fine. Pretty good. What you got? Well, uh, it's kind of a continuation of uh, the conversation I had a couple months back on faith, mm -hmm. and we ran out of time. But who were, who were you talking to? Was it me? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because it says here in the notes uh, that you say the atheistic view of faith is wrong. Correct. Are, are you aware that... Um, like a month or so ago, I did a debate with Blake Junta on whether or not faith can be rational, and we kind of hashed out the various usages of the term faith, because that full video of that debate is up there. Okay. But I, I'd like for you to tell us, because here's the thing, when they try to summarize what the caller's point is on here, but it's never going to have enough information. And so when I read this thing that says, atheistic view of faith is wrong, my first thought is, is there an atheistic view of faith? I mean, I would think that 
different people have different views. And I, as an atheist, have fully acknowledged that the term is used in a number of different ways. So where am I wrong? Yeah, maybe maybe it'd be best to start with the definition of the term. Yeah. What, what's the okay. right What's the right definition of faith? And and how do you know it's the right? Well, one? the right. Well, the the right one is based on the Bible. At least, I mean, that's what I'm going to base my the definition on. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Well, I mean, I'm going to disagree with you that it's the right one, but it, it, at least you're telling me what your definition is and why, which is great. Okay, so uh, Hebrews eleven one. Yeah, faith is the evidence now, of things unseen. Uh, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Right. Correct. Yeah. But that's the definition of faith. Sure, that's a definition now, of you, faith. But 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 I would point out, as my debate opponent pointed out, Blake Janta, the Christian apologist, that faith is referenced other times in the Bible as well, and his argument was that. In the all of the other uses, it's only there as a sense of trust, not that it is the evidence, but that it is just a, a confidence, a trust. Now, if there are, you know, if there are a number of different presentations of faith, even within the Bible, why do you just why why do you go to Hebrews eleven one as this is the right one? Well, it's uh, just years of uh, studying the Bible. Okay. Uh, I've been a Christian for over, for, uh, over 50 years now. And uh, so it's just, uh, just years of studying and uh, understanding the Bible. See, the, the, thing that, the thing that confused me, and, I, and honestly, David, I'm just trying to understand this. So if someone were to say the atheistic view of faith is wrong, what I tend to think is that while we have understandings of different usages of the term, by and large, the faith that is criticized by people who don't exercise faith is the one you are actually describing, this notion that faith is the evidence of substance. Uh, say faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That What that describes is not, I believe something because I have a good reason, but I believe something because I have faith. That is that is what I would think most secularists are criticizing. And so it seems to me that a good chunk of them are using faith as you understand it in Hebrews 11.1. 1, and this is why I was pointing to the debate that Blake and I did, because Blake and others are arguing that we are misunderstanding Hebrews 11.1 1 when we criticize this notion of faith, and that the faith that atheists argue against um, is a straw man. And yet you're calling in to say that we're not arguing against a straw man. Well, you know, I like to say I didn't I didn't watch the uh, the, sure. the debate. And so I'm kind of at a disadvantage here. Yeah, no, no, no. But, you're not at a disadvantage. I, that wasn't I, our intent. And, and by the way, uh, I'd love for you to watch it. And I know that Blake would love for you to watch it um, because one of the two of you is mistaken and I know that Blake cares about getting well, it right. Well, okay, let's let's take your uh, common statement I hear from you. Okay. Uh, uh, you say, is there any position that I couldn't take on faith? Correct. Is there? Oh, no. I, and that's where a few months back I said yes, but after reflecting on the definition 
and the definitions and scriptures of faith, I say no now. Okay. I, I, so I have to, that's where I stand. So, so if there's no position that you couldn't take on faith, that means that you could have a good position that is based on faith, and you could have a bad position that's based on faith, right? Uh, no, ain't correct. Wait, if there's no position uh, that you couldn't take on faith, are you then saying that there are no position, no positions that are bad? A lot of double negatives here. Well, let's take an example. Uh, let's say based on faith. Couldn't I believe in other gods? I mean, I think that's a good example. That's, Is it? That's a good example. Okay. And I say no, you can't. That that can't happen. Hang on. Based on the based on the Jew, Judeo Christian faith. Uh, no, no. Oh, wow. Uh, we look at. Well, let's look at the. Uh, you you just completely you just completely reversed your position back to what it was because I asked is there any position that you couldn't accept on faith and you previously said yes and now you've called in to say that you agree with me that the answer is no and then immediately after saying that you're saying that there are positions that you couldn't reach based on faith but now you've redefined it as a Judeo Christian faith what's a Judeo Christian faith and why are we talking about that instead of what you just agreed to a minute ago. Well, Judaic Christian faith. I'm I'm uh, using that with the Bible. What I sure say okay as described in the Bible. So faith is the substance of things hoped for. I hope that I'm uh-huh. be- I hope that I'm better than everybody else on the planet. So faith is the substance of my hope that I'm better than everybody on the planet, and it's the evidence of things unseen. I haven't yet seen that I'm better, better than everybody on the planet. So I could believe that I'm better than everybody else on the planet based on the Hebrews 11.1 faith, right? Mm, no. Why not? Well, it comes with the uh, second verse, Romans 10.17, is how we acquire faith. Okay. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Ah, so only faith. So the Word that, of God. O- only the word f- of God is. Okay. So is the, the Bible? God is the Bible. The Bible is the Word of God, right? Exactly. Right. So why don't you open up to like Exodus twenty-one, where the Bible says that it's okay to enslave people, to own them as property, and to beat them as long as they don't die within a couple of days. Not only the Bible, God says that. Yeah, I mean, this is the Word of God, and so God is endorsing slavery. Is slavery okay, then? Well, we're talking we're talking about a, a time in history. We're talking about... Correct. The, uh, the interaction between God and His chosen people, or the Jewish sure. people. But the question is... Are you Jewish? The, the question is... Am, am I Jewish? No. The question is... Christians aren't Jewish what, either. What does that have to do with you? What does it have to do with me? Who were the Ten yeah. Commandments given to? The Jewish people. Yeah, so what do the Ten Commandments have to do with me? Well... Do they have anything to do well, with me? We have... I'm sorry that I'm using your own argument against you, but that's how you expose. It's called reducto ad absurdum. You show that what somebody just said is absurd when taken to its logical conclusion. So whether or not I'm well, Jewish, but the question I asked you was whether or not slavery was moral or immoral, or amoral. Well, and yes, it's immoral. I agree. Okay, it, it, so slavery is immoral, 
And the Bible, God's Word, allows and gives instructions for slavery, right? To us? No. It was to his chosen people. Oh, so slavery is not immoral? We're talking— David, are you saying that slavery is only immoral if it's not the Jews doing it? No, you're just trying to bring something to a modern twist. No, I'm not—I don't care. I don't know. No, David, David, no, I'm not trying to take it to a modern twist. Let's go back in time. Was it moral Mm -hmm. for Jews to enslave other people? At that time, uh, the Jews, slavery was a common theme. I didn't ask if it was common. I asked whether or not it was moral for Jews to enslave other people. I'm trying to explain, which a lot of viewers don't understand. Actually, most of the viewers understand this because I talk about it ad nauseum, and I have an entire 30-minute video that goes through every verse related to slavery. I asked a simple question because I'm trying to figure out what you're suggesting. Years ago, in biblical times—let me take you back to biblical times, 1832—no, that's the Mormon thing. Um, Years ago, was it moral, was it okay, was it a good thing for Jews to enslave people? No, from my viewpoint, no. Okay, well, what do you mean? What do you mean from your viewpoint? All right, let me me correct the question then. In ancient times— was God okay with Jews enslaving people? As according to scriptures, he gave he gave directions on on slavery. Yeah, so he's okay with it, right? Well, I think you're 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 talking about a part of history interaction. With I'm asking you whether or not God. I'm asking no you whether. Do. David, I'm asking you whether or not God. I don't understand. Do we have slavery today? What, yeah, what, what, yes. he's asking you a, but a I'm question asking about you, facts. It's I'm asking you whether or not God is okay with slavery. No, God's no. not okay with slavery. So why does God's book no. allow for slavery? He could have just said, hey, because, don't have slaves. I mean, you, if you're listing off the commandments, why wasn't like the first one or second one or third one or fourth one or fifth one, thou shalt not own another human being as property? If God's not okay with slavery, shouldn't he have said that instead of saying the exact opposite? Yeah, I so, agree. So God screwed up yeah. is what you're saying? No, I wouldn't say that. Well, if God's okay with slavery— or you think that God's not okay with slavery, but God had it added to his instruction manual that he is, there's a conflict there. How do you, re- how do you resolve that? Well, it's, 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 it's the law. I mean, uh, that's the only thing that it's had his law. Him was the law. It's his law. It's God's no, law. It was, it was, no, no, no. no he, he wasn't describing God. laws. He was telling you what, what his laws from, were. Exodus. No, slavery had, came from men. No, 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 no. This is is dictation. No, 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 no. I agree. No, no, no. No, stop. I agree. Slavery came from men. I agree. But you think that God has a book that is God's word, that that has God's specific laws and instructions for people. And in that book, instead of saying slavery is wrong, God says slavery is okay. 
please tell me. No, he, no, he doesn't. He doesn't say that. Oh, yes, he does. What? Ha, have you not? What he does honor. What? No, let me explain. What he does honor is men's laws. Why? Why would God honor men's laws? Wait, wait, no, no, stop, David, because I'm going to. I'm saving you from being too stupid. Why would God honor men's laws if they are immoral? If God can tell you not to eat shellfish and not to wear clothing and mixed fabrics, even though that was going on, if God can say don't kill people, even though that was going on, then why the hell can't God say slavery is immoral? Well, I say He honors the laws of men. What good is a God that honors the laws, of, the immoral laws of men? God, you, so you think the the moral guardian of the universe, the ultimate arbiter of what is good and what is evil, is sitting up there and says, "You know what? I really wish these people would stop, you know, enslaving each other because that's immoral." But I'll just fucking honor their laws. What kind of weak ass God are you fucking apologizing for here? Well, you got to keep in mind that you know we we be, we retain God so over all of ourselves. Yeah, you know, we chose to to deviate, and uh, we we the secular laws say, are better better than the the religious laws. You have here's the here's her. David David. Is the Bible God's word? Yes. Does the Bible allow for slavery? Yes, it allows for slavery. Yes, but to and a, yet you've come to the group, does the Bible Jewish David group. Back in history. Okay, I don't give a rat's ass. Was it immoral for those Jews to enslave other people? (laughs) Well, let's... let's No, 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 let's let's answer the damn question. Here's the thing. If the Bible is God's Word, and God's Word allows for slavery, and God's Word never condemns slavery, how did you reach the conclusion that God is opposed to slavery? Because of who He is. How do you know who He is? How do you know what God thinks? If you're saying that God's word allows for slavery, where's the 2.0 that you're using to say that God doesn't actually approve of slavery? It's not in the New well, Testament. I mean, I'll tell you that. You have to be a Christian to realize that. You do realize that you're talking to someone who was a Christian for more than 25 years, right? And who actually knows the Bible yeah. way better than you do, as is evident. Well, no, I, I disagree with that. Okay. What's it say in Exodus 20? What's it say about in Exodus 21 about slavery then? I don't know what you want me to say. I would like for you to tell me. I would like for you to tell me what the Bible says in Exodus 21 about slavery. He gives he gives directions on basically how to He's laying out his laws. But those were laws of men, not laws of... No, 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 no. You don't get to say it's God's word and then claim it's laws of men. The the. Would you like me to read Exodus 21? I'm not talking about the Bible. I'm talking about slavery, which... You do realize that Exodus 20... Exodus 21 gives the specific laws from God regarding slavery, right? Yes, I do know that. Then stop saying it's laws of men. 
This is a dodge that your okay. brain is inventing in order to protect you from recognizing that you are now in conflict, that you believe that God is opposed to slavery, and yet the book that you claim is God's word that gives instructions and the law says that it's okay. You're not going to be able to resolve this, and so that's why you keep going to, this is the laws of men. If that's the case, then when you read through the book, when you read through the Bible, you're going to have to say, oh, some of it is from men and some of it is from God. So is Exodus 21 from God or from men? Well, the Word of God is, I mean, the Bible is from God. Okay. So, yes. So stop saying it's the laws of men. Because it seems like it's doubly the word of God, no, because no, here is God no, no, giving no, no, his no, no, laws no, no, no. in this in this book, right? He's saying, these are my laws. Here you go. If, if, if we were to ask <laughs> you, if, okay. if we were to ask you, if we were to ask you, David, thou shalt not have, make unto thee any graven images, is that the law of man or the law of God? Law of God. Okay. Then why are you not saying that you know that this other prescription in there is also the law of God? But slavery did not originate from God. Slavery originated from the laws of men. Okay, David. Let me oh, play. I, let me I think play. I see the problem here. He's saying the institution of slavery predates Christianity. Therefore, blah blah blah. And and but Matt's pointing out that. He's God is giving all sorts of this and that's and, and particulars on how to do it and these sorts of things. And so that seems to be the conflict, the it's, disagreement. Here. It's really easy, David. Pretend that you are God. Okay? Okay. And you look down, and there are people who are eating shellfish, and you don't like them to eat shellfish. So when you portray your commandments to them— your instructions, then you expressly prohibit the eating of shellfish, right? Right. And when you look around and you see people lying and killing, and you're opposed to lying and killing, then you give them the instructions to stop lying and killing, right? Correct. And when you look down and see them enslaving each other, what do you do? Well... You you basically you eventually will will hopefully will change men's hearts. Oh, why why didn't you do that with lying and killing? Why is it that when you look around seeing them lying and killing, instead of saying, "Gosh, you basically maybe hope to change men's hearts"? I mean, that's that's what he wants to do. I mean, do we have slavery today? How many states yes. in, in the United States have slavery? Yes, unfortunately, slavery still goes on today, uh, and human trafficking still so you exists. Can buy and, you can buy and sell people. Uh, in, Jesus Christ, in I don't know how this is remotely relevant. David, I said, if you, if you look down and you see people doing something that you are opposed to as God, you tell them uh -huh. to stop doing that, right? Yeah, yeah. So when God looks down and sees them enslaving each other, why doesn't God say, stop doing that? Wouldn't you do that? Because it was, well, I mean, it was so ingrained into the culture. You don't think lying is fucking ingrained in culture? I mean, it's not like uh, if, he said, if he did say it, how many people would obey it? Oh, so your God is too <laughs> weak to actually tell them not to enslave people, in part because he doesn't think they're going to obey. 
What 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 kind of what kind of arbiter of good and evil sits there and says, you know what, they're not going to listen to me anyway, so screw it. Instead of telling them it's wrong, I'll tell them exactly how to do it. I'll tell them that if they enslave another Hebrew, they have to let them go within seven years, or they have to take them before the council. And if they want to stay with you because you gave them a wife, you get to drive a spike through their ear to mark them as your property and get to keep them forever. But I'll have a separate set of rules for non-Jewish slaves. They are your property forever that you can be passed on to your children. Because... I just don't think they're going to listen to me about this slavery thing, so I guess I'm just going to go ahead and fucking endorse it. What weak-ass God are you talking about? The same God that can outlaw shellfish and mixed fabrics. It was more important for God to make sure that I didn't wear uh, mixed fabrics than it was to make sure that I knew that slavery was immoral. Your God is shit. So do you obey those laws? Which laws? I don't obey anything in the Bible. I don't obey anything in the Bible merely because it comes from the Bible. I have a view of morality. You know of anyone, I have a view of morality that is based. Do I know of anyone who's what? Making a moot point about a time in history. You, you know what's moot? A certain group of people called you know what's, Jewish people. Or you, you know what's moot, David? This conversation is moot. Because you have been repeatedly exposed as defending an immoral and feckless God that couldn't and wouldn't stop slavery. And your excuses are embarrassingly bad. Well, you are better than your God. Well, I am better than your God. So why on earth are you, are you trying to defend something that is worse than both of us? Who's defending it? I'm not defending anything. All I'm saying is slavery was a rooted— you're, you're, you, you worship God, right? I'm, I'm not going down yeah. this road again. You've acknowledged the Bible is the word of God. The Bible endorses slavery. Therefore, well, the word of God endorses slavery. Well, but the whole, the whole topic was supposed to be on faith, and you didn't let me finish. Well, that's faith, right. faith seems to be justifying whatever you want to do because just you, because you, you think the Bible says that. Yeah. <laughs> you know why I didn't let you finish on faith? Because you called back in to say that you agreed with me that there was no position that you could justify merely on faith. And then when I tried to come up with an example, you did the most, well, I was going to say most amazing, but it's actually a fairly common pathetic tap dance in order that for you to avoid recognizing that you are endorsing immorality and you are doing so based on faith. We never left the topic of faith. You believe that the Bible is the word of God. This is a position you hold based on faith. You're wrong. You believe that you can resolve this slavery issue by saying, oh, it was the laws of man, or maybe God knew they weren't going to listen to him. You are wrong. You are taking those positions based on faith. You have proved your own claim that you can't hold false positions based on faith wrong. No. Uh, well, let me, let me, let's go back to the original example. I just did. No, no, the original example was, is based on faith, couldn't I believe in other gods? No, no that was your example. You, see, you narrowed it, well, and then you redefined that's, that's it. Then, then you redefined it as the Word of God. I asked you, is there any position that you could hold and not have it based on faith? And you originally said yes, and then you called into this today to say no, and then when you were afraid that you were going to get exposed, you went back to yes. So... I'll ask, is there any position that you could hold, or is there is there any position that you could not hold based on faith? No. Okay. Thanks. And here's why. I already know why. Because faith is not a pathway to truth. 
Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is gullibility. Faith is the excuse people give when they believe something and they don't have a good reason. Because if you have a good reason and somebody says, why do you believe this? You give them the good reason. You don't ever say, oh, I believe it based on faith. Faith can be used to justify anything. Your Hebrews 11, one faith is in fact wishful thinking. It is an instantiation of your personal biases and preferences that you are foisting on the world in order to make you feel comfortable about the fact that you don't have a good reason. And when we get into something like whether or not the Bible endorses slavery, the tap dance that you did just exposed to every thinking person on the planet that the faith that you're advocating for is gullibility. That's it. And I would highly recommend that you watch the debate that Blake and I did because Blake has a completely different view of faith, which is similarly useless, but at least it's not going to be used to justify the notion that I'm better than everybody or that white people are better than black people or that it's okay to enslave people or that maybe we should elect people who are going to take away rights from people. Ah, you can take all those positions on faith. It's useless. It's damaging. But hi, Don. Hi, Don. Welcome to the show. Thanks for waiting patiently through my... Uh... No, you're doing great. Who do you want next? Oh, it doesn't matter to me. Oh, all right. Well... We've got a lot of atheists on the line now. We, we lost... Uh, no, we don't. We got Tony. Tony in Minnesota, thanks earlier for helping us pre-show with the call. Yep. And for waiting. We, we are here for you now. Yep. All right. Can I first start off by saying I look forward to comments about my accent? Because I'm told by other Minnesotans that I have a very thick accent. I love um, it. Cool. It's it's wonderful. <laughs> All right. Um, but what I want to get down to, I want to make this quick for you guys. Uh, eventually, I will come out to my family as atheists. I'm not pushing it along. It's just going to happen eventually. I don't know when. And right now, I'm in the process very slowly of actually reading the Bible from front to back. Oh, with I'm sorry. Highlighter. Yeah, we're, we're sorry. very, very boring. <laughs> okay, now be honest. How far are you? Have, have you gotten to the begats, and did you just kind of skip them? I started out doing uh, 10 pages a day because that's all I could get through, and I'm on page 30. Oh. <laughs> I think, soon I think it's worth soon. reading Genesis from cover to cover. The rest of it, I'm not so sure. I, I will say, I bet if you talked to 100 of the top of Christian apologists on the planet, that they would all tell you mm-hmm. that it's okay to skip the begats and still claim that you read the whole Bible. <laughs> okay. Um, but the, the reason I want to do that is uh, it's my mom that will be the most shocked when it finally happens, and she'll be consumed with thinking that I'm going to hell and all that, you know. And so after the first conversation, when it eventually happens, I'd like to be able to say I, I have really looked into this myself, and I want to be able to give her my Bible, highlight it up, and be like, these are all the things that just do not make sense to me, and then she could go through it, and then that would maybe be a conversation pusher along her. It like sounds like a hell of a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so you were, you were on hold. I take it you heard the last call. Yes, I did. So clearly I, I know the Bible. And uh, so did the caller. He, mm-hmm. he thought. How do you think that went? <laughs> I'm just letting well, you know that the mere fact that two people might know the Bible doesn't necessarily mean the conversation is going to go the way you hope it does. I, I, I absolutely agree with that. I, I almost 
I'm thinking of it as a very long-term project for me to use as a almost significant prop in the conversation to say that I, I did really try and look into this to know. I get it. Bizarre. Um, it seems like whole, you're, you're taking the attitude of you've done something wrong and you're apologizing for it. It is that. And, and, and that's and, fine. But, it, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with that. Yeah. I would, I would prefer you just say, Hey, uh, you know, I've looked at it and I don't, I don't care about it. I don't, I don't, you know, there, there's one or two good things in there. I'll just take the one or two good, two, two, two good things and leave the rest on the floor. Um, yeah, by by all means, I and I, I don't want to speak for Don because um, perhaps he is trying to discourage you from this. I, I'm okay either way because um, it's your life, first of all. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't disagree with Don that it may potentially be a lot of effort because – I know lots of people have done this. Hell, I've done it. I'd already read the Bible twice before I became an atheist, so I wanted to make sure let's read it with new eyes uh, that weren't, you know, like blinded by the Holy Spirit. Um, the thing is, if you can do it for whatever reasons you want, but quite often, I, I, I know what Don's saying, where you're trying to preemptively squash the most common question. And that is, well, have you actually tried and read and studied the Bible and prayed? And everybody I think that's wants. That's where I was going from, yeah. Yeah, everybody would like to say yes because they think that this is somehow going to mitigate uh, the problem. Yeah, right? like the person asking the question is expecting a no, and if I can give them a yes, then ha ha ha, their number one you know challenge to me is now out the window. And I guarantee you, their challenge to you is not out the window because here's the thing. My family knows I've read the Bible. They know I know it. Now, I don't remember as much of it as I used to, but I've read it and taught it both as a believer and as a non-believer. This doesn't impact them in any way because I did it wrong. I didn't do it with an open heart. I've got some sort of sin or trouble or stumbling block in my life. I'm just not open. I've, I've closed off my heart. I've hardened my heart so that there are a gazillion excuses and oh, by the way, there are verses because even Satan can quote scripture. That's what you're going to hear mm-hmm. at some point. I'm just letting you know in advance. You can still go through right. no, with absolutely. the with That's the entire exactly ordeal. Yep, but you you will probably if your mom knows the Bible half as well as my mom does, you will definitely hear that uh, that Satan can quote scripture. Um, <laughs> and here's here's the crazy thing that is. You guys are probably going to find really crazy. I think, I really think after probably very long and in-depth conversations, my mom would come to my side. I really do believe that because she thinks like I do. She just has never, ever been exposed. In in that case, then I I encourage you to do that if you think your mom's going to be different. And I will point out that Dan Barker, um, the co-president of the Freedom Religion Foundation, when he found his way out of Christianity— he went to his parents, and his parents are atheists now. He had far better results than I will ever have. My parents are, will, will never change their mind. They will go to their grave uh, miserable that their son is not only headed for hell but leading people to hell in droves. And it breaks my heart that their religion has driven a wedge between them. We still love each other. We still hang out. We found a new, a new normal. 
Um, and I love my folks and they love me. Um, I despise their religion. Um, and I'm, I'm just about as sad for their predicament as they are for mine. And I don't have any hope that they're ever going to change their mind. So your mileage may vary. Hopefully your mom is closer to Dan Parker's parents uh, than mine. I have a little bit of stock All advice right. to give you before we end the call, sure. and that is um, when when you're when you're coming out, and especially if you're sort of a new atheist and you you're kind of newly minted, it's it's pretty exciting part of your your life and 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 pretty pretty big part of your identity, and um, sometimes that can be seen as a, a bit of a wedge. Like uh, it may feel to your family like you're rubbing the, their nose in your new atheism. Yeah. And um, I think that that mellows over time. And, and, you know, for me, you know, atheism is just just part of part of my personality, part of part of my thing. It's not my big thing. Right. And yeah. uh, a lot of folks will tell you that. But uh, um, so in your interactions with your family, try to remember that you have just – a lot in common with them. You have a lot of, you know, uh, common stories, common history, common values, and try to try to stay focused on those if you can, because you're not really that different than than how you were growing up uh, before you became an atheist. These sorts of things. You are you are the same person. You you have the same morals. These sorts of things. Uh, you just you just uh, have cast aside some things that you don't think you need. And curiously, and, and I do, I, I, I wish you luck. And by the way, please feel free to contact us and let us know how it went with your mom. And, and you know, I know you said it's going to take some time, so maybe you can mm -hmm. uh, be a recurring update. Um, we talked, we've talked before about coming out both as gay uh, and as atheist. Um, there's countless coming out things. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, and I don't think I ever had a coming out as a progressive liberal to my conservative family, but they clearly know. So that <laughs> there was, there was something along those lines. And quite often, I think that my political and moral views, even, even though that it ties back to religion, those differences may be a bigger stumbling block to progress, uh, in the other conversations than the fact that I don't believe in God. Um, that, I mean, don't be wrong. That is definitely a big deal and sits at the foundation. Uh, but they, they struggle with the fact that they know me, they know I'm a good person, and yet they hate some of the things that I stand for outside of a god. Um, and I, I wasn't going to do this. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and let you go, Tony, so I can do one quick thing. Um, but sure. by all means, let us know how this goes and what you decide to do. Can I add one tiny of course. thing to what Don was saying? Uh, I have been an atheist now for like probably four or five-ish years, so I'm definitely not pushing it on my family at all. I'm just waiting for it to come up because eventually it will. Yeah, yeah, um, and you can just say, yeah. hey, I don't believe that anymore, or just make a casual remark. Um, I wouldn't draw a lot of attention to it. And That's exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm and uh, a lot of folks, uh, when, they, when they're confronted with an atheist, they, uh, many people feel very threatened. And I think it's partly because they're ha they're put in a position to defend their faith, even the, even if the the conversation never goes that way. It's very scary. Um, it, it it I think it it raises in their mind the prospect that hey, I really um, 
I really haven't arrived at this for good reasons. I, I think that that is one of the fears there. And, and you know, maybe a light touch will work better. Humor is an awesome thing. It, def, it uh, deflates a lot of uh, the problems and, and tensions uh, that, that you might have in a conversation like that. And uh, I, I found with my relatives just being skeptical about some of the crazy stuff on TV, uh, ads and things like that, can be a good way to sort of uh, grease the skids on that because um, there's, a, there's a lot of, uh, you know, ministers who are kind of greasy or, or even, you know, politicians or, or you know, come-ons on the TV as far as ads. Uh, just applying skepticism in general is maybe a good way to, to start. Well, okay. I wish I could shake your guys' hands along with all the crew. You guys do a great job. Thank Thanks. you for having me on. Come, to, come down to Austin, and you're welcome to. Okay. Thanks, Tony. I would love it. All right. Which, as a reminder, uh, after the show's over, there's like uh, food and get-together stuff here. Uh, like they're going to put the like address. It's like a party every single time. It is. Um, <laughs> and, and because of that, you know, the library is now open seven days a week, as I mentioned earlier. And we are providing food. We do take donations from people to people who can because some people can't. And also that's a good opportunity to remind people about the Patreon projects, uh, which they'll put links up to at the bottom, patreon.com slash the atheist experience, which helps to pay for, you know, new Equipment and lights, electricity, internet access, and, you know, they after show foodstuffs. And so if you appreciate the content here, by all means, you can support uh, the Atheist Community of Austin through that Patreon and in other ways as well. Uh, the thing that I was going to talk about that I wasn't going to talk about, <laughs> I, I, have, I have two, one, one rant um, and one quick side note. Okay. Senator John McCain is now dead. Um, I have friends who are upset at people who are kind of lionizing him and, you know, talking about all the good things about John McCain because politically he was fucking awful. Uh, I don't think that this is because he was necessarily an evil person. Uh, I think that he was probably just wrong and had, you know, like I know people who are against uh, marriage equality who aren't doing it knowingly to be malicious they just don't know how bad they are they've been convinced that bad is good this is by the way a function of faith and religion to convince people that bad things are good uh there were many things that i liked about john mccain uh i don't care that there were many things that i liked about him because there were many other things that I did not like. Was he the worst thing ever when it comes to the political issues that we disagreed on? No. There's somebody much worse. Guaranteed. Uh, I, you know, as former military myself, I can appreciate his military time. I can't appreciate it properly. I, I was never POW. I didn't, didn't go through what he went through. Um, I'm not sad or bereft about his passing everybody dies uh he was what 81 and with cancer it's, i think they're inevitable right? i think there were some some good things he did but i don't think that those make up for the bad things that he was doing or trying to do and that's my point i don't hate john mccain i didn't hate him when he was alive i hated his positions on a number of things and there were things about him that i didn't like the mistake we make is in trying to summarize the entirety of someone's character based on the things we like while ignoring the ones we don't or the things that we don't like while ignoring the ones we do. 
But it's not my position to decide what other people think about McCain. There are going to be people who loved and admired him. There are going to be people who think he was the greatest thing. And there, there are probably Democrats who would have, oh, I would have wished he would have been president and blah, blah, blah. And there are other people who are going to look at John McCain and focus on the things that about him that were in direct opposition to who they were and what should be good. And I cannot fault those people one bit. The people who are dancing with glee that another monstrous set of ideas that violated their rights about who they were, those people deserve to feel that way. I'm just saying I can't oversimplify. And I'll give you the second example, which is the rant, and that's Bill Donahue, who I've probably repeatedly defined and described as a monumental piece of shit who runs the Catholic League with the Pennsylvania uh, d- discoveries that have come out with yet more Catholic priest abuse and demonstrating clearly that the Catholic Church is a criminal fucking organization – Bill Donahue decided to claim that the accusations of rape were a myth, a myth. The irony of a Catholic telling me about myth is incredibly thick. But they're a myth because not all those kids were raped. Some of them were just groped. They weren't (laughs) penetrated. So Bill Donahue is fostering this idea that rape is only rape if there's penetration. Now, I would never actually do this, but the, uh, the response is kind of writing itself. Okay, Bill, when we lock you up, <laughs> you don't get to cry foul if you're not penetrated. Now, there may be something wonderful about Bill O'Donohue. I'm just not familiar with it. I'm not familiar enough with his character to say, you know what? There's something good about Bill. It's, maybe somebody loves him. Maybe his mom loves him. Um, but the sum total of what I know about Bill is awful. And he's, the stuff he's that an he's apologist saying, for a criminal organization. Right? The stuff that he's saying is, oh, not all those kids were raped. You know, those kids that we, we groomed and shot porno of in our churches and the ones where we hung the, the special little cross necklace around so we could tell the other rapist priests which fucking kids had been groomed so that they could not rape them by not penetrating them. You jackass. Now, there may be something good about Bill Donahue. I can't remotely think of what it is, and I don't care. And this is why I'm talking and saying that you get to make up your mind about how you feel with people, and you can take the bad things from their life and make that be their character. You can take the good things and make that be – but I hope that we are trying to at least be accurate. Everybody's entitled to their view. There's probably somebody who thinks that Bill Donahue is wonderful. I don't. I don't remotely. I watch him speak in defense of atrocities that no reasonable, good person could defend. And he defends them, makes excuses for them. He's clearly part of the problem. And I don't care if he donated money to a worthy cause sometime. I don't care if he agrees with me on which flavor of ice cream is the best. He's still a piece of shit. Here we go. Well, I almost chose that as the topic, but it's like shooting fish in a barrel. It is. <laughs> it, it's funny to me because we've now had countless 
public exposures. We've had movies about some of the exposures. Right. Some of these are coming out now. You and I have been talking. How many times have we talked about this? Oh, d- a dozen at least. And by the way, it's not just the Catholic Church. It's just that the Catholic Church is probably the most obviously criminal uh, of, yeah. of this. What, what I enjoy doing is uh, whenever there's a statement from the Pope, I enjoy looking for the self-serving angle in it. And, you know, there, there was one where uh, they were giving a hand slap to some, some priest who was 88 who had evaded all prosecution, but he was, you know, part of that whole thing. And is is like a big retirement party, and it's like, yeah, yeah, you made it all the way without going to jail, and and it's like it was all big theater for them to say, hey, you, you know, you're a bad boy. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, they helped him, you know, gave him raised raised him up through the ranks and gave him gave him promotions and all this stuff, shuffled know, him around to avoid sh- shuffled, prosecution, yeah, and kept him out of jail, you know. <laughs> It was, it, and it was just such a, such an amazing self serving thing. <laughs> yeah, that's what I looked looking for in the articles from the, from the the Catholic Church. <laughs> I think in your 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 crisis pregnancy thing, when you were talking about how they they seem to care for kids right up, up to the born, and then only in the sense that they might be tithers. It's clear that some people in some churches have another desire for those kids. Yeah. And it's time to figuratively, lest somebody come and try to arrest me, burn the Catholic Church to the ground. I, oh, that's not my church. I hear from Catholics all the time. That's not what my church is like. How the fuck do you know? Right. How do you know? You're t- the people who are going to these churches didn't know. Right. And your money goes up to the international organization. Yeah. A, a big chunk of it. My Catholic so Church you, you is not like that. You fund that stuff when you, when you give to the church. Oh, it's somebody else's problem. But let me stick my nose into everybody else's business on other issues. We'll ignore this one. It's not my church. It's some other church. But meanwhile, it's very important for me to make sure that two people of the same gender can't marry, that we don't allow condom use. Oh, let me stick my nose in your marriage, in your bed, in in, in other countries, in everywhere— Clean up your own yard first. Get in your Bible where Jesus tells you to take the plank out of your own eye, because until the Catholic Church takes its plank out of its eye, it should not be allowed to speak publicly anywhere. You don't get to pretend you have the moral high ground when every piece of evidence shows that you don't. Ah. Hi. Hi. Hey, Ram, thanks for waiting. You're in New Delhi. You're on with Matt and Don. Yeah, hi. Uh, sorry if I'm a little slow. It's uh, it's nighttime here, so uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I had something to discuss that, uh, uh, you know, my mother says that God is in physics. Is she right? Did you say We've heard that sort of thing. Yeah, and actually, I mean, Sir Isaac Newton... Um, had that famous quote, mathematics is a language with, with which with God has written the universe. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, uh, now would you say that physics is the mother of all sciences? Or would you say that philosophy is? Oh, I would, I would vote more for physics than philosophy. <laughs> well, it, it, it kind philosophy of, is a mix, mixed bag. <laughs> I, I, w- I would say that physics is approaching the foundation of certainly all hard sciences and all physical sciences, but then that might be question begging to say that physics is the foundation for physical sciences. 
Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it? Isn't it? I, I, yes. I, I'm okay with that, but that doesn't tell me anything at all about God. No, it, se- uh, it seems like God's trying to hitch a ride there, you know, and get a, get a free pass. Are you with the concept of... Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry. What were you saying? I, w- I was saying that God is trying to hitch hitch a ride there on 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 the the, the fantastic, you know, uh, fundamental science of of physics and and mathematics, you know, and, and God's trying to steal the credit. That's how that's how it reads to me. Okay, uh, I understand your point. But uh, are you familiar with the concept of emergence? Yes. Yes. Uh, can you explain the concept to like the people, or should I? Sure. There's there's a couple different ways to view emergence. There are people who say that consciousness is an emergent property of the brain, but the best way I've heard to explain it is that uh, a single water molecule isn't wet. The the property of wetness that we ascribe to water doesn't apply to a single water molecule. It emerges from water molecules interacting with each other, and so no. No single water molecule has the property wet, but a collection of them has this property that we label. That's that's yeah. one of the ways to describe emergence. So can you reach from physics to moral values from emergence? Can you can you reach moral values from from the physical so. facts of reality? Yes, that's my entire thesis. So you must be aware of Laplace's demon. Yeah. So, like, wouldn't God, like, know everything because... I don't know. We haven't defined a God. How do I know? Maybe there's a God. Maybe there's not. Maybe the God knows everything. Like in, maybe he doesn't. Uh, like, we had... Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Uh, what were you saying? Maybe there's a God. Maybe there's not. Maybe there's a God that doesn't know everything. Maybe there's a God that does know anything or everything. Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't know how you can just assume that God would know everything. I mean, that you basically okay, said, like, wouldn't God know everything? And I'm like, I don't know. You haven't defined a God. You haven't shown like one once exists. We, like once we had a conversation about mathematics. Okay. It ended up saying that uh, computers, uh, do computers conceptualize mathematics or not? I don't think so, but I can't prove they don't. They they seem to be going through mechanical operations. So could, could you say that sometime in the near future we could like harness intelligence as, like harness intelligence out of physical reality? I don't see any reason why we couldn't, but that doesn't mean I know enough to say we could or couldn't. But at the end of the day, no matter what the answer is, what the hell does this have to do with a God? Couldn't God be, uh, like, information is a message from one to another. Yes, information is a, is a label that we put on on. communicated concepts, I guess. So when we try to define mathematics and uh, all these logical terms, we, we tap into some, some sort of medium. No, I don't tap into any medium that I'm aware of, nor do I think there's any reason to describe an understanding of mathematics as tapping into a medium. I don't even know what that means. Like it's a storybook. Uh, have you ever heard of that? Let ma- mathematics is like a storybook. So that you you're, you're arguing from analogy. The fact that we can perceive something in a certain way doesn't mean it is that way. I mean, I can describe the the uh, uh, the the horseshoe nebula as if it was beautifully painted, 
but that doesn't mean it was painted. So the how, how we go about conceiving of something is quite often an analogy, but that doesn't get us to the actuality. And I want to know what any of this has to do with the God, because if all you're, because you're, you're dealing with, you know, oh, mathematics and we can conceive of things and you could get to a metaphorical God, you know, that ma- just back to what I was saying. What's counter to hard solipsism? There, I'm not aware of any counter to hard solipsism, and that's also not relevant to whether or not there's a God. Why not? Why not? Because yeah. the fact that we don't know of any way to counter hard solipsism doesn't tell us anything about whether or not there's a God. How could it? Okay. I, I, that was a, I mean, it was a question. You seem to think that is there, are you aware of a counter to hard solipsism? No. Me neither. But if we found one, unless the one, the, the counter we had was God, let's say that we found a counter to hard solipsism. Let's say we thought through and we realized that, oh, yeah, this can't be true. You know, we actually do have to be existing and interacting with other minds. We, and, and we came up with a reason for that. There's no reason to think that that reason would be God. And until we find the reason... You can't use that as an argument for God. And if we're in the position where we both agree that there is no known counter to hard solipsism, well, that doesn't tell us anything about a God either, right? Yeah. There, there seems to be a very common theme with theists where they, they, they find a mystery mm-hmm. and that becomes a some sort of hook where they can plug in their God and therefore justify their God. Yeah, if, and, if there was a God— I wouldn't have to worry about the fact that there's not a solution to this problem. Right. And and it's it's you know it's over and over again in all sorts of different guises and in, in sciences it shows up of god of the god of the gaps, right? We don't know something therefore god must have done it, you know. We don't you know the lightning bolt is scary and and loud and god must have done it or or, you know, we don't understand consciousness, therefore it's God. We've done that forever, as you, yeah. were, you were pointing out with lightning bolts. We, we stick God in when we, you know, God is the excuse we give when we don't have a better answer. And so now we're doing it with the big questions. Why is there something rather than nothing? How can I know that my uh, experiences of reality are actually with the really real reality? How do I know I'm not a brain of that? How do I know I'm not being deceived by Laplace's demon or a new evil demon or whichever thought experiment you want? And the, the truth, as far as I can tell, is that these are questions to which we don't currently have an answer. If, in fact, a god would serve as a potential answer is different from whether or not god is the correct answer – and both of those would have to be demonstrated as the answer or a potential answer. And we haven't done that either. So for in my lifetime, if, if that will not happen. Mm-hmm. So like if we don't discover, like if we don't, if we don't end up discovering God okay. in my lifetime. Then, then your so, lifetime will end just like the people who have already died. They won't, we won't have an answer. No, but isn't that cruel? Okay. Um, no, uh, it would be cruel if in fact there was a God who was keeping all of this hidden from you so that you died in a position, not knowing when there was an answer available to be known. 
it may be that some of these questions are insoluble, that, that, that you simply – there's nobody will ever know this. Um, the only reason to perceive it as cruel is if you think there's some governing justice to the universe – but all the evidence. Yeah, that's that's what I was coming up to when I said that emergence you could get from f- physics to emergence, uh, physics to moral values. Yeah, but moral values is independent of whether or not we have answers to these questions that we don't currently have answers for. I'm a, I'm addressing your your thought that it was cruel because mm-hmm. co- going from physical properties to a moral system that talks about the facts of reality is not in any way a a sense of justice in the universe. What I'm talking about is as you, when you're talking about cruel, you're, you, you are implying that this is somehow unfair. And all of the evidence points to the fact that the universe doesn't give a rat's ass about fairness, doesn't care about us or, or anybody else. That it's Unless he meant it in a metaphorical sense. Oh, I meant it in, in, in the sense that matches it. Oh, okay. But I, either way, I, I, first of all, I'm not interested in metaphorical gods or metaphorical substrate. Uh, yeah, but so, so just to be clear, we don't believe in a capital P purpose or some sort of God, you know, trying to orchestrate. You things believe in and, the, you believe in the Sartrean sense, the Sartre sense of uh, purpose that every man defines his own purpose. Essentially, yes. yes. I mean, if you want, if you want to, if you want to find a purpose outside of the purpose and meaning that I put on my life, um, I, I think the only clear candidate is that and, and it's not purpose in the sense of forethought but what is the purpose of my life to pass on my genes i mean that's <laughs> I, I am the descendant of people who passed on their genes but that's your genes purpose yeah, for yeah. you <laughs> but it, it, what i'm saying is what i'm saying is that purpose is not something that i've decided for myself that is as you just said <laughs> my genes purpose for me this is just a meat sack that my genes are using to try that's to right. propagate except that except that that's still an analogy where we are anthropomorphizing genes because there's no reason to think that genes have any knowledge or awareness or goals or anything else and evolution certainly doesn't have a goal it's just change over time being acted upon by the facts of the universe at that time. Now, the, the, the word I would use for what you were describing instead of cruel would be frustrating. Yeah. It is monumentally frustrating to not have the answer to things that you want the answer for. But that's us imposing frustration on on ourselves because we're curious, because we know things and we want to know more. And throughout history, when we've when there was a mystery that we were able to solve, it feels good. And now we know more and we can live a better life. And so, oh, my gosh, why is it so frustrating? That Why don't we have the answer? And to that this? frustration is the driving force of science, right? Yeah. But I don't know okay. how it gets you to God. Because uh, I was lately having doubts about my theism. Well, it's, that, it's good to examine those views and, and turn them over and see if they make sense. Yeah, none of us would advocate for atheism defined as, I am now convinced that there are no gods and I'm never going to reexamine this or change my mind in any way. Because that's dogma. So it's, it's, I, it's do you, fine. Do you want to share some of your doubts with yeah. us or some yeah, of your basically, thinking? Basically, basically, I am a Sikh. Sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, are you aware of Sikhs? Yes. What they do? Okay, okay. Sikhs are not incredibly popular in the States, so we don't run into them very often, but there is a Sikh temple 
kind of on the other side of town. And uh, I've been there and had interactions with them, but I am no expert on on Sikhs at all. I'm just roughly aware. Uh, I'm mostly aware because um, they keep getting confused for Muslims and have to keep telling everybody that they're not Muslims. Yeah, that must be very frustrating. Yeah, it's because they're surrounded by white people here and they're brown, by and large. And so everybody, oh my gosh, don't you all know each other? Aren't you all the same? It's... (laughs) It has to be incredibly frustrating. Uh, but I will say that all of my interactions with with uh, Sikhs, Baha'i, and other religious traditions that are not incredibly popular here in the States have all been positive. And they argue slightly differently on behalf of their religion. Okay. Might be a breath of fresh so, air for us. But, yeah, go ahead. Stay, t- tell us what your doubts or concerns were. So when I was like eight— I I I was I became an atheist for like a very short period of time when my like father found out and then you know like India doesn't care about you know corporal punishment is very common here what punishment so corporal punishment yeah so so you were you punished for becoming an atheist yes I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. We think that's wrong. And but, then, but I go ahead. then I then I then I found God in like my 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 studies. But then but then you say that these studies are not that they don't lead to God. Well, I'm saying I'm saying that I don't see any pathway to God from that. So I mean, I'm sure that this is what you were describing earlier, but I I asked the questions I asked because I've heard from people before who will say that, oh, you know, God is in mathematics or physics. And that doesn't seem to be – it doesn't seem to be more than metaphorical. Um, Yeah, yeah, because because you could justify that with anything. Like my father believes in astrology. That's bullshit. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. Curiously, uh, we've hit on the second topic that I'm doing a video on in the next week and a half, which is astrology. And and the and the my favorite question to ask someone who believes in astrology is why don't twin twins live the same life? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it sounds I like you're convincing. you're kind of going for uh, like a god, like uh, Spinoza suggested, is kind of a god yeah. of nature idea and. You know, I do. I do agree. That's more metaphor than than reality. And and if that gives you comfort, it's not. It's not terrible. You know, I don't. I don't know of any uh, <laughs> anybody that's been killed for that sort of that sort of god. Uh, I, I think it's a relatively harmless belief. In 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 terms of religions, uh, there are, there are certainly more harmful religions and religious ideas. And secondly, I also believe in God because. You know, a few months ago, my my grandmother believed in God, mm-hmm. and a few months ago, she passed away. And Sorry, uh, I now I have to come to the fact that now I have to come to the fact that uh, like she's she actually doesn't exist. Yeah, this is one of the things I've touched on before, and I'm very sorry for your loss. But the I think religions, by and large effectively poison our minds with regard to life and death. 
um, by building up a false or unproven story or scenario, it doesn't equip people to deal with death. If instead we were to, to look at, at death as the unavoidable conclusion to a life, um, that many people have said it, even uh, Penn Jillette had, had said it in uh, on a This American Life, I think it was years ago, that we would fundamentally, we would hopefully treat people better uh, knowing that when they're dead, we're not going to see them anymore, that they're not going to actually be a part of our life anymore. And, and that this would change because in some religions, it's when you get to the afterlife, you're going to get the answers. And when you get to the afterlife, you're going to get to see your loved ones. And so if you like the, you stormed out of the house angry and they dropped dead, you have no way to get closure on that. And so there's this hope that you'll meet them in another life and an afterlife in some wonderful place and that you'll be able to reconcile and, you know, let bygones be bygones. And maybe uh, recognizing that we have no good reason to believe that would change it so that if you were about to storm out of the house angry, you might pause for a moment and reflect on, is this the last conversation that I want to have with this person? I'm not saying we're all going to do that. But by, by teaching people that death is going to happen – it emphasizes the value of life because as far I, – I don't know if there's an afterlife. I don't. I don't think there is, but I, that's because I don't have any evidence for it. But with me living life, not expecting a bonus afterlife that goes on forever that makes this one irrelevant, it makes every moment in this life more precious. It means that when I go out and decide how I'm going to spend my day, I do it with the recognition that – this is one of a handful of days that I'm going to have left. This is why when I'm wronged by someone, I forgive them not for them but for me because when I hang on to that baggage of somebody wronged me and so I'm just going to stay mad at them, all it does is eat at me and ruin my day and change what I can do in my life. Recognizing that the best thing I can do is to forgive them not necessarily forget, not necessarily put myself in a position to be uh, used or abused like that again, but to say, you know what? I'm not going to let you make me hate you. I'm not going to let you or let what you've done poison my life. There are because healthier ways. Mistake, because it was a mistake on their part because they're human. Yeah. And, and, and recognizing that your actions have consequences, that you need to take responsibility and that you should take credit for the things that you do, responsibility for things that you do that are wrong. But recognizing how the interactions between people works and that you only get a handful of these and you're not going to live forever can fundamentally change how you interact with other people. Are you still going to get mad? Yep, probably. Are you still going to have people that you despise? Probably. I despise um, – Bill Donahue, but I don't let it consume my life. What I do with that kind of anger is I turn it into a motivator to get me to push for changes to a system so that his damage to the world uh, is as minimal as possible. It doesn't ruin my life. Um, and, and the other part of that is that the people he's really wronging are those kids uh, who aren't being protected. And so I'd rather take that as a motivator. It's dwelling on the harmful and and i think the biggest thing is not knowing how to deal with death 
we're not equipping people. We, we tell people a story about a fantasy land or you're going to meet again and all these other things. And what that does is it robs people of what I think is a necessary process of grieving, remembering a life, and then rebuilding and moving on with yours. And all of this can happen absent any religion. And all I find from religions largely is a pollution of that idea so that people aren't equipped to grieve properly. So, so now your life is just stagnant. You know, I'm, I'm waiting until I get to heaven so I can see grandpa again or I can see my grandmother again or I can see my parents again. And this plays back in your head. And every time you're thinking about, oh, I can't wait until I do this, you know what you're not doing? You're not remembering the experiences that you had with them that made them value you and you value them. It's about where we're putting our focus. Okay. And on that note, we are now completely out of time. But I, thank you, Ram, for your call. And I, once again, we're sorry for your loss and hope you find ways to cope with it. But and, – and I would assume that you're if, – if you begin identifying as an atheist again, that you're not in serious danger or not likely uh, to be beaten at this point because you don't deserve that. Nobody does. You deserve – to live a good and full life. And if somebody's religion, I don't care what religion it is, is essentially telling you that you're a bad person for being honest with yourself, that you are not convinced of something. If, if somebody's tell, religion tells you that you are uh, less than or weaker or inferior because they have all the answers that they can never prove. It's a problem. You, you don't have to. Nobody should have to put up with that, and I'm hoping that between the atheist experience, nonprofits, talk, heathen, godless bitches, all the products of the ACA, as well as the American Humanist Association, American Atheist Freedom from Religion Foundation, the organizations that are working with atheists in Bangladesh, the organizations that are trying to do what we can to change the world to bring reason, secularism, humanistic values to the world will help make it so that in the future, not only is this show irrelevant, but if we were still talking about something, we never have to take another call from somebody who was beaten because they didn't believe what their parents believed anymore or beaten at all. On that note, I got to let you go, Ram. I appreciate the call. Contact us again. Let us know, you know, how it's going on. And if you have other questions and doubts, you can reach out to us. You can also email uh, tv at atheist-community.org. That gets to uh, myself, all the host co-hosts. We have some people who are uh, answering emails just about as fast as they can come in because the rest of us can't. Yeah. And uh, gosh, we don't... used to be able to say we're all volunteers, but that's not true anymore. <laughs> Most of us are volunteers. <laughs> yeah. I want to say all the data show that we're winning, that the world is becoming increasingly secular, that the world is becoming better. Don't let the negative things make you feel hopeless. Everything about almost everything is improving despite some rather dramatic issues with some governments in the world uh, and the fact that we just found out about, you know, more information about uh, child rape, more information about corrupt churches, more information about this. Don't let all of that make you think that the world is getting worse. But more importantly, don't let the fact that it's getting better make you complacent. 
because there's a fuck ton of work left to be done. We need volunteers. We need participants. We need motivated individuals who are willing to help, who are going to talk about what they know, who are going to stand up in opposition to religious privilege, who are going to do everything in their power to make the world as good as we can possibly make it. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget about the back cruise. Thanks to the folks who showed up and yelled from the other side of the glass. We'll see you next week. From the kids to Aunt Sue. Keep your whole family connected on all their devices with crowd-pleasing gig-speed internet from Xfinity. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.